Welcome to What Else? My guest on this episode is Doug Sohn. The audio is a little dubious, but Doug says a lot of interesting things. So let's just get on with it. Doug Sohn. Uh, welcome to What Else? What Else? I think. Is there a theme music for There is theme music for <laughs> this. theme music for What Else, yes. That's what right. What Else does have theme music. Uh, my guest today on What Else, Doug Sohn. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thanks for coming. Even sure. though you didn't necessarily know you were coming to be <laughs> on What Else. <laughs> All even better. Yeah. Um, so what else? <laughs> Was that your prepared question? I think so. That was the, that's why I had to I had to bring up the document with the notes because that was the one I wanted to ask you. I'd like to point out I'm a subscriber to what else? Is that right? The podcast. All I right. am. Well, you're then. The, it, it's you. It is me. There you okay. go. The identity has been revealed. That's great. Yeah. Um, that's nice. Have you? So have you listened to several of them? I have listened to several of them. Of course, I believe the tagline. If I'm not mistaken, is like it's Charlie Rose with less Charlie Rose. Right. Are you replacing that? That's tag a good question. Line? I don't know. I think now it just takes on a double meaning. Well, I think now it's even it's even more of a selling point. <laughs> That's true too. Although less chance of you just appearing in your bathrobe during this, which I'm a little disappointed. But it cuts both ways. Yeah, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, right. Well, I yes. always like. He drives me bananas, but um, the I, the format of the show I really like. Um, and it, yes, and what I like about him in particular, and then let's yeah, obviously okay, get right. rid of the other stuff, is the rare person. And I don't know if these people exist really so much anymore on television or radio because it's so segmented and so specific now someone who can interview you know a nobel physicist and you know dr dre right. like and, and really feel comfortable doing both i mean you can go back to guys like dick avitt or uh uh you know in chicago like irv cups in it on the cup show right. joe franklin you know used to be in new york and this incredibly varied group of guests where now the talk shows are you know it's a film star it's a movie star and then it's a musician right and that's it and the 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 interviews are never very in-depth so that was actually the thing i liked about charlie rose is and he would ask thoughtful questions yeah, and let people answer sure. them. Sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes he couldn't stop talking. There, There's an element of that. He is, the show is named after him. Yeah. Yes. But right. But I like that. I, for a long time, I thought about, I was like, that would be a great thing to do more of, to have a show like that. And I mean, I understand the sort of economics of it and stuff, but to have less movie stars and have more. Right. People who are doing other things and, and doing certainly and, as interesting and and fascinating things who don't right. get the opportunity. Right. I was going to say the other piece of it, right, is to do, is to have not famous people. Precisely. Right. A lot of interesting people in the world, only some of whom are famous and and correct. And I, now I understand, like his show is probably wasn't going to do as well if he didn't have a certain number of famous people on, but. 
Absolutely. I mean, he's still on yeah. uh, television and not a specific right. YouTube channel. Right. right. And he's competing against, yes. you know, right. every, every other, every show that's on. Yeah. yeah. Everything. But I like that. I like that idea of, of, you know, being able to, someone doesn't have to give a 30 second answer. They can actually talk about something and they can read to something else and you don't have to like reel it back in because you're going to show the clip or whatever. Yeah, precisely. Precisely. Right. Um, so let's talk about some stuff. Sure. I'm in. Um, you like to travel. I do like to travel. Yeah. Tell me about like what you like to, maybe there isn't one answer to this, but like, what do you like to do on trips? Like when you, that's a great question. And it's one of those, one of the, 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 one of the aspects of traveling that I enjoy in my sort of approach to travel is that I like a varied itinerary. There are times, you know, I love traveling to like big European cities and going to museums and and, and walking the streets and uh, uh, the obviously the restaurants and the markets and sort of being enveloped in the culture of that of that place. There are times I like going you know, much more wilderness, going hiking in southern Utah uh, for a week and getting away from all of that. Uh, I don't mind once in a while, not as often, but once in a while, you know, the all-inclusive resort for a week of where my only real decision is, do I want mango or passion fruit, you know, in the uh, margarita? Um, so it's, it, I'm, and it's also a combination. I enjoy going to places I've never been before. And I also really enjoy going back to those familiar places. Like, you know, I've always joked that if the gods came down and said, you know what, for the rest of your life, you can only vacation in Paris. Okay. Like it wouldn't be the best thing, but certainly hardly the worst thing in the world. And, uh, so it's, I'm always up for doing something I haven't done before not death defying stuff but you know like there are certain things like bungee jumping holds no appeal to me um other things like any sort of trekking or climbing where you might die really not a selling point uh uh, for me i don't i just there's just not that appeal uh to it but uh but always up for Adventures and 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 experiences that I've never had before. Willing to travel anywhere. Some of it's just you know prioritizing. It's time and money at this point, so you 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 you're forced to pick and choose those places to travel. Do you have um, places that are sort of like on your list that, that you haven't been to, but that sort of hold an appeal, resonate with you in some way when you think about it? Oh, absolutely. And that list is, is interestingly always changing, too. Yeah. Uh, some of it, you know, I don't know if it's it's just my experience or reading about a place or or a friend's recommendation or a friend's description of a place. For in, I never thought India would be high on the list. But it's getting higher as, one, I read more about it and... Uh, 
my brother went and I thought the person who would hate it the most loved it and saw his pictures and descriptions like, okay, this might be a place I really, really want to go. Um, so yeah, so there are definitely places I'd love to travel in Japan a lot. I'm a huge fan of the cuisine. Uh, it'd be cool to be the tallest person in a country, which that is it. But I was in Vietnam once. I was like, wow, I'm a giant compared to the general populace. Uh, it's a very strange feeling. It's a very strange feeling to also be the obvious person who's not from here, where when I go to, I love traveling to like France and Italy, Spain, I can blend in, you know, uh, uh, certainly uh, attire, um, just general look, although my Make America Great hat and uh, these colors don't run t-shirt sometimes gives it away, sometimes, sometimes. but uh, for the most part, th those places, so Japan, uh, India, um, Scandinavia is high on the list. I would love to travel up in Sweden, Norway of places I've been and places there are still regions in France and Italy that I haven't been to that uh, I would love to see. And also more traveling now is a little more interesting for me with the the rise of and access to like Airbnb and VRBO where you can stay more in a neighborhood and where you have to therefore then go to the grocery store and go, you know, the services that are in that, you know, in, in your neighborhood, especially in Europe where there are real defined neighborhoods and every neighborhood has the grocery store and the bakery and, you know, the cheese store and, and, and so, you know, the specialty stores uh, to get that sense of kind of being a regular in the morning at the bakery, I think is, is, is a, a, has changed for me. I find it to be to be incredibly enjoyable as much as I love a nice hotel mm -hmm. and still want to live in a nice hotel. That's, that's sort of the dream uh, to to be able to like stay in a house or an apartment in a much more residential area is is shifted just the a little bit of my idea of traveling and what I'm looking for in traveling. Um, when you think about, you mentioned earlier about going back to the same places sometimes more than once. Right. Um, sometimes it seems to me like, you know, part of the uh, point-ish of traveling, right, is the sort of being able to sort of brag about it, you know, for lack of a better term, right? That That's the appeal for some people and some trips and stuff. Sure. A lot of, I mean, it's, or to put it on Facebook or right. Instagram. Right. Absolutely. What do you, what do you like about, I mean, obviously if you're going back to a place, presumably it's because you like that place. Yes. Is there, is there something else about like visiting multiple times to the same place that you find maybe as rewarding or more rewarding than going there the first time? Or, or is it just like, I like this place. I'd like, I could use a little more of that. It was good the first time I'll go again. <laughs> kind of, I think it's some of it's more the latter in yeah. the sense that I find myself anytime traveling, you know, when you're walking through the streets of somewhere, being around 
I often think to myself, could I live here? And what would my life be like mm-hmm. if, if I were here? Uh, which I find to be a, a, a really rewarding exercise in general. And there are pl- some of it, let's say, pick a place like Paris, where some of the joy in going back multiple times is the familiarity and how comfortable I feel walking through there. I love traveling in the U.S. Part of it, and there's a part of that is the being, you know, the, the familiarity of sort of the rules, the customs, the language, knowing how things are going to work. It's just when traveling, it's one less thing to think about. And so for me, going back to a place like Paris, I speak enough French to get around. And usually after a day or two, it it becomes much more second nature as opposed to, okay, now I'm thinking more in that language than translating it before I get to the counter uh, uh, sort of um, scenario. Uh, and I think there are, it's kind of, it's kind of like going back to the same places, you know, at home, the restaurants and so forth, that feeling of I've been here before and what my experience was before. And it's not the same, but there are elements that are the same because I'm different and the place is different. But going to the same museum and there are certain paintings or sculptures or works of art that I love seeing over and over that inspire me, that, that, you know, that bring me joy. And to see them every two to five years, it's a, it's a, it's a very cool feeling. So for to, traveling back to the same places... Some of it's the ease of it that it becomes, you know, it's a it it's still elements. It should be a vacation, and it should be have mostly pleasant uh, stretches and a little less work. Mm-hmm. Whereas there are times at certain places where that are very unfamiliar. Even I get tired of like, okay, okay, I can't look at the guidebook anymore, or I can't right. try to go through like, okay, what are we planning out the entire day and how are we getting there? And those kinds of things, which can be fun, but the sometimes are like, I need a break from that. Mm -hmm. Have you done much solo traveling? Uh, tiny, tiny bit, and I don't like it. Yeah, talk to me about it. Yeah, that. I tried the sort of notorious uh, uh, time for me. Uh, post, gosh, uh, probably, I was probably like 24, 25 years old. And I'd gone to school in New York and stayed for a little while after that in New York City. And, uh, okay, got rid of the apartment packed up, was going to go travel for, you know, saved up enough money, three, six, eight months in Europe, however long it was going to take. And I came back after a week and literally got there and like landed on like my roommates, like my friend's doorstep. And he just stared at me and was like, you're 
not supposed to be here for another six months. And I was like, hated it. Hated every minute of it. Found myself at that time um, trying to fill the day. Like, what can I do to fill the day? And it just be that I just felt so overwhelmed and so the, daunted by, oh my God, it's going to be like three months of this. This sound, that sounds horrible. I'm also not a person who I don't like talking to strangers, I don't like initiating uh, uh, conversations, obviously. From my previous job, yes, I talked to hundreds of people a day constantly, but I didn't really initiate the conversation. Everyone was coming to me. So, you know, it was more reactionary on my part. And while I enjoy being by myself for stretches, I still really like the company of my friends and the people that I know. Uh, if I were going to a place like, okay, it's going to be three days, you're by yourself, but you end up meeting people, fine, great. I mean, I'm not, you know, or a week of traveling by myself where I'm stopping to see friends on the way. I did that a couple years ago along the East Coast. Like, stop a couple nights by myself, a couple nights with friends and so forth, fine. But that, but like long stretches of traveling solo, holds no appeal. And some of it's just the, you just want to share stuff Mm -hmm. with somebody. And sometimes you just don't want to have to make every decision. And so it's like, where do you want to eat? Cause I can, cause you know, let's, you put, have some input and, and do that. Having said that, if it was a long stretch traveling with more than one other person, that gets tricky also. I've done it with three, four, up to like two weeks. I might be done with that. It's it's just, it depends on the place. It depends on the itinerary and what uh, everyone's in, you know, what everyone, uh, uh, what their... Um, can't think of the word, just, you know, what their expectations are of the trip. And not because it's, once you get past more than one person, it's always, you know, uh, everyone is going to be slightly different, just the nature of the beast. And I find myself being sometimes the person who's trying to coordinate and appease like everybody, and that can be wearing, and 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 certainly, you know, a couple of days, fine. Like th- that's fine, and like a specific place, and you've talked about, okay, you know, the two or three things you want to do, um, great. But for long stretches, one other person, I, I might be good with, and that could be it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, you mentioned your brother earlier. Sure, I have uh, one older brother. Have you? Andy, who yes. is, what, six years? Is that the difference? He is six years, one month. Okay. No, no, I'm sorry. The other way, five, five years, years, 11 months. months. <laughs> yes. Duly noted. Yes. Um, <laughs> have you guys traveled together at all? Uh, we did once. Uh, I'm trying to think this had to be, good gosh, 20 years ago, maybe. Oh, I don't. 
there's probably be I have to think about this maybe more uh, we did a road trip up north uh, Minnesota Wisconsin it was okay. a great trip but I think that's the only time we traveled together I have to think about I think so at least certainly that I can recall did you go on trips as kids did you go on any family trips or a little bit we went uh yeah that's actually the yeah so we did went to um we'd visit our 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 grandfather in florida for a few days uh new york we'd go a few times and then the other trip we went uh was europe actually when i was good gosh i was like nine almost ten years old and uh, my brother and I, my mom and stepfather went to Europe for almost two weeks. Uh, still one of the best trips I've ever taken. And there were moments, especially with my brother, that are, you know, the, the tattooed on the brain. And still we can mention one or two words, know exactly what we're talking about and start laughing uncontrollably. That's pretty great. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Where did you go on the trip we, it was uh, uh, Paris, Venice, Rome, and Madrid. And we ended up spending a little longer time in Paris because my stepfather got sick, like flu or something. So we ended up a few more days there. And so this was 19, it was right around, we were there for New Year's. I want to say 1971 going into 72. So this was a time when no Americans were traveling because the economy was terrible. And so it was super expensive to to go to Europe. And certainly back then, it was only Americans who traveled, which is when I tell people, it's like, oh, the French like hate Americans. It's like, not anymore. They used to because we were the only ones who had the money to travel and weren't certainly not all that sophisticated. Um, and it was more of a new thing. Whereas now the world travels, right? They can hate people. They can America. hate. And I think Americans are, are definitely falling down the list of people that, uh, certainly that the French, uh, dislike. Uh, and it's my experience certainly the last trip to France uh, where the hands down of the list of most obnoxious uh, non-French people. Can we say it together? Asians. (laughs) Oh, the Italians are way up. The Italians are... Oh, I probably had the most trouble with the Italians in, like, actually, like, more in the one-on-one situation. The Brits, uh, most of your Asians, pretty much across the board. But, I mean, and obviously these are stereotypes. I understand. But it... But... I pretty much stereotypes. They are stereotypes because they're sometimes true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, so uh, the original. So back then, um, so that's where we went. Yeah. So it was an awesome trip. So did go you, ahead. Do you think? Did you take it in as I'm seeing all these historical and incredible places or something, or are you just like this beats being at home and like where I'm having a riot with my brother just because we're away from home and it's weird and oh no no I knew oh yeah exactly that I am seeing like these things that I've only seen in picture books I mean yeah. there and it's still and I still get that thrill when you still even things like when you see the Mona Lisa I still look at that and think it's unbelievably cool. Like, you know, this incredibly iconic picture that every single person knows. And you really see it. Yeah. And even though, yes, there's a crowd around it and where it is and you can't get up close. 
it's the Mona freaking Lisa and it's unbelievably cool. And so, yeah, no, I knew how different uh, these places were, the history that was there, um, you know, in that age where I was old enough to like have memories of it to be somewhat independent uh, would go up, you know, with my brother I mean, not by myself, uh, except for the time I got lost in Rome, which I still like to bring up to my mom every so often. It's like, mm, remember that time you lost me? Uh, and, uh, and, and really understood like, okay, what I was seeing and how incredibly lucky I was to be able to see this and how like the, for one of the other things I love about traveling, how influential on my personal life it is to see how other cultures live. And I think it's one of the great things about traveling is to see what, how people live and what makes them happy, you know, and then you always get to cut. It's a great thing because you get to come back to the United States and just kind of roll your eyes at what people complain about is always, you know, Really? Because there are three people in line, like go to, you know, a, a store in a poorer country and see what it's like to just get, you know, a basic uh, a city service is, you know, it becomes this incredible trial. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to get up and be, oh, my cable was out, uh, whatever. Um, but that that's still uh, uh, indelible moments from that trip. And I really no, I really realized like this is it's Europe and it's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned uh, being on a trip with your mom. When you, yes. Your uh, your parents who are how old now? How old's her? Uh, my dad is ninety. My mom is eighty six. It great. is yes. Pretty great. Yes, um, and I see, see no scenario where I outlive <laughs> them. But <laughs> just nothing would make sense. Yeah. Um, they. Uh, so, do you think? Do you see yourself being more similar to one of them than the other? Or a mix of stuff like how do you interesting uh i think a mix i think a mix. i mean certainly from a physical standpoint i take after my dad's side where my brother takes after my mom's side both i mean and and mom and her father sure. and my dad and i didn't know my grandfather his father but mother is certainly like more the the physical uh uh similarities um I, I trying to be it's hard to be objective sure, about it, obviously. But I think there there are lessons and and you know, philosophies that I've learned from both. Uh and you also find yourself when you find yourself leading towards one or the other, there's times I'm happy about that and times like, oh, that's my dad. Yeah. And it's like I'm trying, you know, you try to uh, not correct it as much as try to avoid kind of falling into a little bit of that trap. But I, I, I think it's probably both. I haven't really analyzed it that much. But I find myself doing or actually now I take that back. Now where I see it is when they do something. Okay. Like mom or dad is like, 
oh, I do that. (laughs) (laughs) That's where I got that from. I was like, oh, that's kind of annoying. And I think I do that as well and should try to be cognizant of it. Do you think, when do you think you started noticing that stuff? Which way? Like the parents that are just just that? Just the the things like, like, oh, that's in me. Mm, Probably. I mean, little things probably started, you know, I, I don't know. High school, maybe we kind of start to see it, or just any time where you start becoming more aware of yourself mm-hmm. as well, or I guess more like uh, starting to analyze yourself. Um, so probably, you know, I guess like teen years, and I think it progresses sort of steadily, mm-hmm. as at least it has for me as as I've gotten older. How about you and your brother? Do you think similar, different? Do you see stuff that's... Uh, I don't think we look alike at all. I don't think we're physically that way. I see where I see it is mannerisms and speech patterns. Like sometimes he'll say something and it's like, and I'll like be struck. Like that sounded exactly like me and sort of more the, uh, uh, Kind of the, the the pattern, I guess. I don't know what the, the musical term yeah. would be for it, but much more that you know in the in the kind of the pattern and sort of and and also the thought pattern. There are times I remember specifically being in a bookstore and him saying something like, oh, "You know, I'm looking for that book by that guy," and I was like, and and oddly knew what he meant. Like those kinds of times. And, and it is just, and whether it's a memory of something he had said before or how right. that works. Um, yes, there are, there are some similarities and I guess it's more that I see them as the similarity being, oh, we got that from our father and we both have that trait or we mm-hmm. both have that outlook. Uh, overall, I think there are big differences as well. But there are definitely there are definitely similarities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know this is probably a, sort of a difficult thing to pin down, but like, what do you think you were like as a kid? What's your recollection of? what you liked to do or kind of what your disposition was? Um, I always think it's a, obviously a better question for, for someone yes. else, but to the best of my, I think I was a pretty happy kid. Like definitely sort of, uh, uh, pretty happy, go lucky, enjoyed. I could entertain myself. I found uh curiosity, which I think, you know, enjoyed um, uh, a lot of pretending to be something else, whether it was, you know, sort of musician with, you know, the tennis racket or, you know, uh, uh, athlete kind of football player, you know, out in the yard, some of the, the normal stuff, I would think. But for the most part, pretty happy kid, um, good student, like always, although I remember probably like 15 years ago, my mom had saved all of my report cards and, and I went to a really small school. So all of the reports, there's like a paragraph or two you actually wrote out as well, or the teacher would write about you. The vast majority of, of the comments were, there was always the line about 
does just enough to get an A, but really no more than that. In Lasso was something that like really intrigued me. Like I could always like I could apply myself enough to and found myself, you know, smart enough to do to do well uh, in school and especially subjects that I didn't enjoy. Like, okay, but I can do this, but I'm going to, like it said, do just enough because there's other stuff to do. There is other things to, to see places to go, uh, that kind of thing. So for the most part, don't really recall having not a sickly child, not, uh, uh, anything that I can really recall that was Problematic. I mean, we got all get in trouble for the usual, sure. the usual nonsense. But um, no, I think I think I was good. I mean, actually, a handful of times where you know forgot to call, you know, and it's midnight or whatever, and parents are up. Uh, which I will say, I mean, I think kids are all the same, but. Now there's no excuse for that. We didn't have texting right, right, uh, right. back then. You can't just, you could literally text like a you thumbs didn't have up. A phone now. In your pocket, Did right. not have a phone in my pocket. Um, and actually had to, whether it was, I guess, a payphone or a friend's, you know, uh, uh, phone. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, pretty enjoyable childhood. I mean, there were certainly events that, uh, you know, looking back, probably not great, but also I think took them in stride, mm-hmm. I would say. That seems like a pretty valuable life skill. Yeah. I mean, you know, things like my parents got, you know, divorced when I was like seven years old. Uh, my stepfather, my mom got remarried and I was incredibly close to my stepfather and he died when I was 15. They were only married like five or six years. Um but still, but you know, it was, I don't know, just seemed to be able to like, okay, this is the situation and you deal with it. And some of that got certainly got from, uh, probably in that sense, my mom more than my dad, just because that's who I lived with. Mm -hmm. So it's much more influential the time during, during those, during those times, having the influence of my stepfather, was I think really important as well, and uh, and what do you think? What do you think that was? Like, what do you think the things you got from him were? So, a some ways a calmness, in some ways, and sort of a normalcy. So, uh, my dad still a doctor was a young doctor then, and back then, I mean, was like rarely home. Or I would see, you know, I wouldn't see him in the morning. He was gone to work and then wouldn't get home till late. And I was always allowed to stay up late, mostly to see my dad. And I remember things like, you know, as like a seven-year-old watching the 10 o'clock news. Because that's when my dad was like doing paperwork over the table and I'd be there uh, with him. And so there's no real memories, certainly, of like sitting down to dinner, all four of us, or family trips. There may have been like one that I can barely recall. Um, but none of that, like for Deerfield, Illinois in the mid to late 60s, you know, that kind of suburban, idyllic family together. There was none of that. And then, so, you know, I saw my dad much more after they got divorced 
when there was actual, you know, you had visitation and, and so forth. Um, and then so when my, my mom got remarried to my stepfather, it was quite the change. It was like, oh, this is someone who goes to work basically nine to five and comes home and you sit down and have dinner. And this real sort of normal, you know, uh, uh, family life. Or Sunday, yes, we sit, we watch football and hang out, or he would grill, and you'd have, you know, the much more normal life that way. Um, and just like certain, you know, lessons from him more that I, you know, things that I observed. Um, things, you know, he made a good living, a great living, but, you know, always taught me is like, you use money to make things just a little easier. Like those kinds of lessons, you know, that I would learn uh, from him and and to be cognizant of the things that make you happy. And they're not, it's not stuff necessarily. Um, nice things are great to have when you can, but that's not the, that's, that shouldn't be the goal. Mm-hmm. But, but much more just like this sort of, okay, this kind of normal much more the the presence, yeah. like the male presence, like someone was there. I was going to say, those other things, do you think, um, did he talk to you explicitly about those things? Or is that you're, you sort of um, picked that up from just observing the way he conducted himself and arranged his life? A little bit of both. Yeah. I and mean, they're definitely things. They're definitely, I mean, I can remember specifically we talking about it once about, like, thing. I don't, I, I can't remember what the situation was, um, but it, uh, but it definitely like sitting down and talking about it. I may have like probably a little whiny about something. I can't really specifically remember what it was. Just wanting more of something like, Oh, that's all I'm getting kind of thing. And, uh, and that's, yeah, there was a little bit of a talking to in a much more, I mean, it was certainly not, uh, you know, in a a much more helpful, like calm manner and like, you know, to really like sit down and let's talk about this and about yeah. money. And seems I was like, very, okay, well, seems very wise. I'm yeah, indeed. Right. Yes, indeed. Um, were you, you talked about the school stuff. Like, were you a, uh, a rule follower? Do you think as a kid or were you a little bit of a rule breaker? Like, or, you know, where do you think you were on that spectrum? I guess probably a rule bender. Yeah. Probably like, let's see how far I can push something. Um, I find it my inclination to question always not break the rules, but question the rules. Like, is that right? Like my usual inclination is, well, if you say that, I'm going to think the opposite and then we'll come. Mm-hmm. You you might be right, but I'm not, but I'm not ready to give in right away. So rule follow. Yeah. I'd say generally rule follower. I mean, if you know, yeah. school started at a certain time, I was there, yeah. you know, on time and, uh, certainly did homework. And if your mom said, Hey, you know, do X is like more, way more often than not. Sure. Uh, I think it helped that my parents were pretty lenient, Mm -hmm. um, were very encouraging as far as 
you know, independent thinking, yeah. very independent. Like I remember even, you know, being able to go places by myself at a young, at a much younger age than probably normal. Um, and so no a rule breaker. I know. I don't mm-hmm. think so. Like never like getting in trouble. Like usually it's because I found myself like in a panicky situation and made the wrong move more than like willingly, like mm-hmm. I'm going to knowingly break this rule. In general, when you think about, um, wrong moves. In yes. Life, yeah. Like, do you, do you hang on to those things or do you let them go? Like, what do you think your approach is? Oh, uh, I hang on to them. <laughs> they, yeah. Uh, not that they dissipate as time dissipates, but for it, oh no, oh, it sticks. Yeah, it sticks with me. And there are still times that you get a little bit of that, you know, shiver. Like, oh, that was a bad, that was a bad move uh, on my part. No, it, it. I'd like to think that nothing was, none of them were life-altering. Didn't kill somebody. Precise, right, right. I didn't get in the car drunk and, and run over anybody. That kind of thing. Um, but uh, I didn't start a major forest fire or or a world war, uh, kind of thing. Um, but uh, oh no, no, it's it. I wouldn't say haunts, mm-hmm. but definitely it, it's rolling around back there. That neuron is still, those neurons, uh-huh. they're still firing. Do you, um, do you think you've gotten better at letting it go over time, or has that changed at all? Hmm. I, like to th- I would like to think I am better at not making the bad decisions or bad moves. So that mitigates it somewhat. Um, I don't know. I don't think I'm better at, at letting it go though. Mm-hmm. When it, the one time like hard on myself in that way. Um, no, I'm going to go with not better at it. I just think it, I'd like to think it happens less often. Meaning that you make better moves? Yes. And make better decisions? And, and less bad moves and bad yeah. decisions, yes. Yeah, interesting. And certainly, I suppose one could argue it's, well, they may still be the bad moves, but your philosophy is different about them. But I don't think that's it. I think I'm actually making more conscientious moves Trying to, as part of it, I think, is trying to make fewer moves, so therefore the odds go down by, by just sheer yeah, numbers. Right. Uh, but I think, for the most part, and just sort of life experience, is being a little less rash and a little more like cognizant of how this affects. Mm-hmm others as well what do you think you get um right you know at this point in your life um what do you get excited about like what what do you get like happy and excited about um what do you get happy and excited about? <laughs> still able to get out of bed every morning sure. uh you know that it's 
I'm excited what every kind of what every day is going to bring. And I get this from my dad. This I definitely get. You know, you you know yeah, this. You ask my dad, you know, <laughs> dad, how are you? Best day of my life. It uh, doesn't matter. And it's like, I'm not quite there yet. Right. But I still get excited. I like new experiences. I like um, uh, just trying things I haven't done before. And they can be incredibly mundane. Mm-hmm. Um, I still love, you know, Reading a really good book, seeing a great movie, uh, visiting a museum that I hadn't been to before that I thought was was terrific, traveling new places. Um, I don't know. It's a lot of it's like those kind of mundane things, like having the time to cook, like making dinner, and that it goes well or even if it doesn't go well like learning like okay i did that wrong um that's fun i get i like get excited about uh socializing with my friends and learning from them and and chatting uh with them watching a great ball game you know going to uh uh, uh Going to a Cubs game, you know, it's it's fun. It's just fun Exper- experiencing these human endeavors and these human experiences, especially the ones that are not, that are really specifically human. Uh, I, <laughs> going to the barber, because it is such, it's just this, like, not necessary thing, in essence, but this sort of social encounter and 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 the the the, the setup and how what to expect and the the smells and the sounds of something like that, I still kind of get. I think it's cool and it's excited. Um, hearing a going to a concert, watching someone else be really good at what they do. I find thrilling whether I was just in um, Florida and went to a there's a museum there I always forget the first I think it's Drew Chihuly who's this glass artist and they have right nearby the museum I think it's Drew Dale might be Dale uh, you're it both ways <laughs> your fact checker will get right on it uh, um, uh, and uh, I want to go Dale and uh, <laughs> So, um, uh, and, and down the block from the museum, they have the, the, like, there's a store and where they actually blow glass and they have this setup and they did this demo and I found it thrilling watching this guy, like know what to do and ended up making in half an hour, like this unbelievably cool and complex piece of art out of glass with the tools and and watching him and the skills and and what he did to to change that object and to transform this hot ball of lava into you know this this beautiful work of art to see someone of skill and to uh, to ply their craft endlessly fascinating and i do find that uh i find that exciting yeah that's interesting it's interesting because i was going to ask you if it 
you sort of touched on it there that it can be the little things. Yeah. Um, and I think some some of them might be age. Yeah. Some of them might be those things that, you know, you realize maybe, okay, I'm not going to change the world uh, is part of it. We all should think we can mm-hmm. at a certain age. And I admire... You, as much I sort of is a love hate relationship, let's say with college students. Like for the most part, I hate them as human <laughs> beings. Okay, I think they're so obnoxious, egocentric, annoying. Like mostly, you're just in my way. Uh, and yes, you think you know everything. And of course, mm-hmm. I'm sure I know I was exactly the same way at that time right. and age. But they're the people who can and hopefully will change the world for the better. So as I get older and realize, okay, okay, that's not me anymore. And you get those reminders uh, daily, especially like the little things when you have to fill out a form or something or or a, a, a survey census kind of thing is like, oh, I'm in the next category and I'm much closer to the, you know, 80 and over than uh, to the last, you know, dot to fill in than the first one. Uh, so it is those kinds of little things that you realize that, well, those are the things that can and hopefully will bring you happiness, bring bring you intrigue, bring, you know, that you still find interesting and enjoyable. Um, and so and a lot of that's fairly recent, like real reflection on trying to think, well, what what does like make me happy and what do I want to do like with the remaining years of my life? And I'm not, I don't, it sounds, I'm not being maudlin or morbid about it, but we're all going to go except for my parents, but we're all (laughs) going to go. Uh, So it's like, well, those things like really kind of, you know, I'm closer to the end than the beginning. And and so you kind of look and it's like, well, what are the things that kind of make me happy and make me excited? And I'm happy that, you know, that they are those small things, that it is the time just spent at a meal with with friends or just going, doing whatever, taking a walk, like hiking, seeing cool stuff, uh, sitting at the lakefront and chit-chatting with a friend, you know, is is on a beautiful spring day. Summer day is fabulous. Watching a, watching a ball game and just spending the time watching professional athletes ply their craft, I think is a great thing. Mm-hmm. We'll come back to that. You talked, though, about... Uh about reading books before. Yes. So do you, what types of books do you like to read? Do you have uh, I go authors? in phases. So there are time like, a, you know, uh, a mix of stuff. I'm trying to, I've been really bad the last few years of not reading enough. And I, I'm trying getting back into the habit. And one of the things I missed, I take it back, the only thing I missed about commuting by public transit when I had a job downtown was the sheer number of books that I would read during, you know, every week. Just, you know, it was great. Um, I know I don't, I, I tend to avoid, uh, both in books and movies, 
um, like fantasy stuff, like like anything. If there's a dragon going to appear, I'm out. Any sort of different language, like all that kind of stuff. Lord of the Rings, uh, most science fiction. I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, um, but any of the Harry Potter, like any of that, yeah. Game of Thrones, out. Don't. That, <laughs> not going to happen. Um, Did you read Lord of the Rings and not I, like it? I read The Hobbit okay. and thought it was like I this. I don't get it. Yeah. Okay. And and so have watched like some of a little bit of Lord of the like one of the first movies and was like oh like and and again it's like traveling. I got a there's a stack of books. Yeah. yeah. There's there that's not in the you know they're not gonna I'm not adding those to the stack. Um, I like biographies. I like you know nonfiction. I like fiction. That's. Um, you know that can be all over the uh, the board. I go through phases of just reading nonfiction. It's like okay, I need to stop and just start reading fiction again. Mm-hmm. A couple authors I like. I tend to like like the um, like James Elroy, Jim Thompson, Andrew Vox. That kind of like sleazy underbelly of society. They tend to be somewhat violent. Uh, you know, not the best people involved mm-hmm. and there's there's an appeal there i think part of it is i like to think that it's incredibly different uh from my life yet <laughs> still know that that goes on like in the world and there's a part of me that i find reassuring that that goes on in a way um that okay we're still human and the you know the the robots and AI and haven't totally taken over mm-hmm. uh, yet. So there is still that kind of subversive element to uh, to the world. Um, so yeah, magazines. You know, I love uh, uh, reading magazines as well, and a, a really good magazine or newspaper article that's well written uh, is is a joy to read. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Man, about almost any subject, yeah. if it's well done and captures. Again, no dragons, but uh, <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, but I'm a big big fan of of magazine uh, reading as well. Yeah, and you're a movie fan too, right? I do. I don't go as often as as I used to. Some of it's just some of it's time. Yeah, certainly it's uh, it's expense. It's not an inexpensive venture anymore. Uh, and you know, I'll be honest. Look, I've invested into a really nice TV with a sound system, and there's no one talking or or talking on their phone behind me uh, yeah, when I, mean, I watch at home, and right. so. Um, you know, I don't enjoy it. I still love, actually went to the, the movies, uh, what day? Yesterday. Um, and I still enjoy it. There's still something about it that you, you're trans, that's the only thing you can do at that. Well, it should be. It's not, I shouldn't say that. It's the only thing I do is looking, watching the movie and sort of, you know, I sit up close. I like being surrounded by the screen. I like the anticipation of it, the the you know the previews, and you know, and then when it starts, um, I still still enjoy that. Um, but uh, I don't go as often uh, as I used to, but I do enjoy it. 
But you like watching in general, whether you're, whether it's at the theater experience or at home, you like. Yes, I still do like watching a really good. And your really favorite, some of your favorites. I know a couple of them. I think. sure Godfather one and two. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think what else uh, off the top of my head. The Shining is one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's certain movies I like to categorize ones that are probably not great. Right. But that I still really, really like. The one that comes to mind is um, Payback. Mel Gibson, like where he, they thought he like killed, and then he's with a, a great Lee Marvin, William Devane, Chris Christopherson. Just something about that movie, I just, just am drawn to it like every time. Uh, certain movies, if they're on TV, if I'm flipping the dial and The Great Escape is on, the old James Garner, Steve McQueen movie, yeah, I end up watching like an hour of that. A um, bunch of Martin, like Goodfellas uh, is one of the great ones. Um, a lot of Martin Scorsese stuff, a lot of Stanley Kubrick, Coppola like that era of movies. Um, recently, trying to think, saw Three Billboards, I thought was terrific. Uh, I'm trying to think some of the other stuff. What else? What other mo- Rock and Roll High School, still one of my favorite movies. With the, you know, the Ramones are in it. Like certain, There are certain movies, like Stupid Spinal Tap is great. I loved um, the South Park Guys, the the both the uh, the one you know it takes place with Satan and uh, bigger, longer, whatever. Uh, and watched recently Team America, the one that those guys did with the marionettes, damn funny, and really just a well crafted movie. Very interesting. N- and none of them have dragons. You might be missing out. Okay. I could be missing out. Tend to be most movies. I always say, uh, if someone gets shot in the head, I'm probably going to like it. And almost every movie would be better if someone got shot in the head. When Harry met Sally, if it was when <laughs> Harry shot Sally in the head, way better movie. Then you're interested. And now it's piqued my interest. I like exactly. It. I like it. I like exactly. Um, I was going to ask you a little about um, sports. So has baseball sure. always been kind of your your favorite? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And some of that is uh, my grandfather. It's the things, you know, we would talk about all the time. I still remember, you know, the Cubs, uh, the two phrases uh, that the Cubs are pitiful and from hunger. That's good. It's a good one. I don't even know if I know what that means. I don't think I do either, but it's not good. Uh, So, yeah. So, baseball was uh, the sport, like, growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, And then a passing interest. So, hockey a bit, basketball, football, certainly. uh, Olympic sports. And would, like, devour—love the the numbers was a big part of it. And would devour, like, um, like, the almanac. Like, you know, for a long stretch there, could sure. name, like, all the Super Bowl winners all, you know, for years. Could probably do a decent job, like, 67 to, like, 80 of most of your world champions. I could probably come pretty darn close to to knowing who they were and certainly where they played and mm-hmm. who was on the team. Uh, just looking at rosters. Um, and then magazines like Baseball Digest and Football Digest. And I also remember 
being a big fan of the ABA, the American Basketball Association, even though there was no Chicago team, they weren't on TV. You really, Dr. J, you couldn't get really information about them except like a a little blip in like, think like Basketball Digest. And it just, yeah, like the, just that this new league started and there were real players in the red, white, and blue basketball and thought it was, was great. When you think about these things like, I mean, you obviously have an interest in, in, in sports and in movies and in music and in arts and books and stuff like that. Right. Is there one of those areas that you feel like was kind of like your thing that you were kind of like most deeply into or that affected you the most? Sure. Um, the one that comes to mind, the first real influence was probably like punk rock because that was sort of the first one, the first art or genre, whatever, that was mine. Mm -hmm. That wasn't, I wasn't, you know, my musical knowledge, so incredibly influenced by my older brother. So, you know, like really, uh, like Beatles um, were huge and some of the stuff that he was into and not liking a lot of the stuff that he was into. But, But more that stuff. And then like the, you know, the top 40 stuff and then the disco thing. But that was much more commercial, much more universal that kind of everyone was into. And then for me, like this couple things, it was music that people that looked like me were making. Prior to that, I mean, guys, you know, it's always when people talk about like, you know, what influenced punk rock is like a group like Yes or, or you know, some of the, those big, lush, heavily produced prog rock uh, 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 bands and things. But even guys like in Led Zeppelin and stuff, like I, I, I didn't look like Jimmy Page, but Johnny Ramone, like that guy looked like me. And it's like those guys weren't virtuosos either. It's like, well... I could probably do that. And the songs were short and funny and catchy and different and no one liked them. And I thought, this is awesome. This is stuff. <laughs> this is now, uh, you know, and, and one of my, or two of my closest friends still to this day are because they were the other two people who got into, into that music. So when you talk about that part, do you think... It might be hard to separate this out, but do you think you realized that other people didn't like it and that increased the appeal? Or you're just like, I like this, and then you looked around and you're like, wait a minute, why doesn't anybody else like this? Uh, I think it probably... I mean, I still really liked it. I think I would really like it in a vacuum. Yeah. But the fact that no one else did, like, oh, yeah. Makes it a little more. Oh, absolutely. That's even more intriguing. Now, I think it forced me to, not forced me, but encouraged me to delve into it more. And to seek it out more and to seek what else was out there. Mm -hmm. Um, And found it exhilarating and exciting. And the fact that it was thumbing its nose at authority. Certainly. I, I enjoyed that part of it. 
uh, the fact that it was sort of this, I don't know if it was called DIY at the time, but it had that kind of, you know, the garage band kind of deals. Like, well, it's incredibly democratic. Like anyone can go pick up a guitar and just write some lyrics and a song and work hard and do this and you can you know, be a band uh, and make music. And I found it to be incredibly inspiring. And it had an energy that I found motivating. Um, The lyrics made sense to me. You know, I understood, uh, you know, you know, Blitzkrieg bop way more than I understood, you know, Stairway to Heaven. Uh, and so that, that much more gravitated to that. Certainly the, the clothing, um, the attitude, but there was still an element of fun to it. There was an element of, you know, those songs were as hardcore as they were, they were really melodic. You know, they were much more, you know, like the beat. I'm incredibly influenced by a band like the Beatles than I think people give, uh, give the credit to. Um, but the fact that, yeah, that, I mean, the, the best, you know, rock and roll obviously is the stuff your parents don't like or don't understand. Uh, and that, that's certainly an appeal to it as well, not just in music, but, you know, uh, uh, movies or television, you know, if, if your parents don't think that show is funny, well, now it's funnier. Right, it's funnier. When you, do you still, when you go to concerts now, do you still get, like, excited, like, when the lights go off and stuff? Do you still? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there's a little bit, sometimes there's a little bit of, like, uh, you know, like, okay, I'm tired. Yes. Can, we, can we, let's get cracking here. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah, whatever, yeah. like, shoot yeah. up, yeah. get on stage, do what you got to do, let's go. Right. The concert says 8 o'clock. <laughs> it says, you know, 8 o'clock. One of the things, like, I love about uh, Metro, I will say, when they list, like, the times of what, like, the three bands they're spot on. Like the first band will be seven twenty to seven fifty. At seven fifty, they're off the stage. Right. Big fan of that. Uh, having lived through certainly an era of sure. where, like, oh sure. gosh, let's get cracking here. But yes, I still find the ritual of it. It's still fun. I find it fun. And when when a band puts on a show that's a little better than expected, awesome. I. Uh, and conversely, when you see a band and they're kind of phoning it in or it could be better, no worse feeling. Like, it's like, really? You know, I showed up on time. I paid my money. It's like, this is your job. You know, you, I know what you're capable of doing. You should do that. And if you're not going to, can you tell me in advance? Right. And I won't, uh, I won't come in. But, you know, the silly rituals of uh you know right when the lights go out and 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 how shows are structured uh and is the you know when when you get the sense and more often than not the band is having fun or the musicians really trying and working up there it's it's a great thing to see and it's still yeah i still love it do you have like favorite concerts you've been to? Do you have are there a couple that you think of that you're like that was one of the greatest shows of? Oh, absolutely. Um, and 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 the often the ones 
a combination of things that, like I said before, some that I didn't expect and was knocked out, like how good someone uh, uh, was. Um, that is more often the case now, the, the concert I love. The earlier ones, I can think of two off the bat that like really like kind of changed the way I listen to music. Um, the first time I saw The Clash at the Aragon, just the the raw energy of what these four guys could do um, on stage and the, the, the power and the, the command they had of the stage. Fantastic. The other one, the first time I saw George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic was... It was at the, uh, oh gosh, the Red Parrot Disco in New York. Ninth, this had to be 1980. And it was their first concert after they did this huge Mothership Connection tour. They hadn't played in a couple of years. Right. One of those tours that, you know, cost $20 million to produce and they made $5 million, you know, in ticket sales. But it was legendary, but, you know, a good financial disaster. And so over the top. And this was... I'd never seen this kind of concert where just musicians coming on and off the stage and played like, you know, three plus hours, like nonstop. And all these guys like coming on and then Bootsy Collins hits the stage an hour and a half into it. And just the crowd loses their minds and the amount of music and the, the, that it was like one of the best rock bands I've ever heard, but this soul band and this funk band. And the musicianship was was incredible. Um, yeah, that those two shows like stick out in the sense of, like I said, that like okay, this is different, mm -hmm. and now I'm going to be judging music and concerts not negatively, but in like this has opened up a new a, a, a new way to look at things and a new way to listen to music. Are there a couple things, people, you wish you could have seen that you didn't? I uh, would have liked to have seen the Sex Pistols. Would have the one show I regret that I didn't go to, and I don't know why when I was living in New York. Uh, it was Prince, The Time, and Vanity Six at Radio City Music Hall like at, at, on the Purple Rain Tour. And I still have no idea. Like, why didn't, why didn't I not go to that show? Um... You know, a few things like back in time. Would I've loved to have seen like James Brown, like really early on, Little Richard at some, you know, like blazingly hot, you know, dive bar in or, 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 you know, some sort of auditorium, you know, down in Georgia in 1960, whatever. Um, that a little bit. Otherwise, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else that I haven't seen. You know, the Beatles, I don't know. I mean, I don't think those were like great concerts. Right. You right. know, in that's in that sense. Uh the big festivals like Woodstock or that holds no appeal. Um No, I don't think so. There's no one I really think about. Like that's it. Like those those couple shows. Uh, everyone else, I think, for the most part, who I really like, I got to see. And most of them, you know, in their heyday. 
So I'm going to go. It's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, I feel really fortunate that, uh, that yeah, got to see, you know, almost everybody. So I, I go. So now I go a little less often. One, those guys don't. They're dead or don't <laughs> tour uh, for the most part. Or, you know, it's it can be expensive. So, you know, I look back and it's like, those shows were five bucks. Yeah, right. Which was a decent amount of money at the time, but it was still five bucks. Um, and so that's uh, uh, part of it. And, but I've still seen, I've seen shows recently that uh, that I, you know, totally enjoyed and uh, and and still get excited about it. And it's still fun to, to mm-hmm. go. If you could magically have one skill. Ooh. Artistic or otherwise, or like a physical ability or something, you know, to be able to do something really well. Do you have a sense of what it would be? Like, is there something when you see people do it or whatever, you're like, I mean, there's probably many things we all think about, but sure. there's something in particular where you're like, man, that would, I really would wish I was able to cultivate that. The ability to... to I think one of them, the ability to absorb and uh, and easily speak multiple languages. I think that I just I've tried a little bit, and it's just it's not a skill I have. I mean, I can passable French because I studied it when I was you know in like twelve. Um, that would be like I'm, I'm envious of people who can converse in multiple languages. That would be cool. Sure, like playing an instrument, like to be able to sit down at a piano and just start playing. You know, like I've always like going through the grocery store now that you know every grocery has a piano there. It's like ah, just it would be fun to be able to just like put and sit down and and play. That would be cool. Um, Nothing like you know the sports wise. Of course, we all want to be you know the shortstop or whatever, be able to hit a baseball, but that doesn't. I'm not as envious of 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 that uh, as well, but if like the one, it, yeah, I'm gonna stick with uh, the languages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That does, that seems to me to be. I mean, I don't know the science behind it, but it seems to me to be one of those things where if you um, people who learned at least the second language at an early age, it seems like it opens the gateway, and then you can really. Absolutely, absolutely. But there are certainly people, and I think some it's a lot of it's youth and also the time. But there are definitely people who have, you know, a a sort of innate mm-hmm. skill mm-hmm. to be able to to do that more than others. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing we didn't really get. To talk, I don't know how much time we have, but we didn't really get to talk about politics and stuff, which I know is another sure. thing that you're interested in. Big, big fan. But So well, let's do one other what-if scenario. Uh, sure. Uh, Rahm Emanuel decides to go back to his job at Arby's and asks you to fill in. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. As mayor of Chicago? Yeah. What, let's, what's, like, a thing you would do? It doesn't have to be the most important thing, but, like, what's a thing you would do? Like, okay, now I can do X. I would... Put as many resources into mass transit as possible. Mm-hmm. I think that there are there are jobs and opportunities available to people 
that are not available solely because they can't physically get to the site. Mm-hmm. Um, I think eliminating as much auto traffic is beneficial to everybody. And, and it's something that is the infrastructure is there. It's solvable in it. And I think the, uh, ramifications and the, you know, unintended consequences are incredibly, uh, positive. Um, the other thing, you know, yes, of course, eliminating poverty and, the, the all those sure. things and redoing the police department and 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 you know those attitudes of course and i think again solvable problems but i think that simply get allowing people to get to other places cheaply quickly is is incredibly important for a city to thrive and 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 immediately like changes people's lives um and then schools education is still the silver bullet i firmly believe right right i'm with you um one other so i have another question for you um on a different different track sure um thinking about Yourself and your interests or your approach to life or your disposition, if you think even over the last 10 years or so. I mean, obviously, we're all kind of different in some ways than we were when we were kids. Oh, God, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly heavier. Yes. How do you see, uh, like, what... Do you see any patterns like in the more recent years of like ways that you think you're you're changing or direction you're going or trying to go maybe even? Um, um less probably yes. In less uh and some of less attracted to stuff. Less attracted to to the obtaining of things, um, you, you know, like even cool, like sure. I like using a good knife when, you know, uh, I'm cooking, uh, and, and it's yes, a nice, really good mattress is, is a delightful thing. But the things like trying to really quantify what makes me what makes me happy and what brings joy to, um, to my day-to-day life. And so trying to be that, trying to be calmer in situations, trying to be much less uh, judgmental of others and really trying to see the viewpoint from someone whose ideas are opposed to mine and really trying to, to an understanding, trying to see the good in, in, in those, uh, in, in people. Um, and just kind of trying to let real focus on, on letting, not letting the stuff you can't control bother you. 
Um, and a real focus on just trying to be generous and pleasant and just helpful, more cognizant of that, of what can I do to make someone else's life a little easier, a little better. Um, and just trying, yeah, trying to be a little, just a little less reactionary. I think still things make me mad. Things in society make me totally pissed off. And, and, but trying to like, okay, channel, not only channel that anger properly, but really like, well, how to resolve that? Like, what can we do to resolve this situation without making it, well, if people would just do the way I did it. I mean, yes, of course, it would be better, but not, but really trying to, to, to be more cognizant of a different solution. And do you think some of that's coming to you, happening to you versus you making a conscious move in those directions, or do you you think it's hard or does it feel like it's work to 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 do those things you're outlining i think it's work i think it's pleasant work though and i think the more you do it like anything's the more second nature it becomes and trying to some of it's like getting into the habit of doing those things and being uh more aware whether it's just like listening and being much more forcing myself to do that and as i think you do that it becomes much more of a of a habitual uh um reaction and uh and less than and then you don't think about it and it becomes a much more natural a natural effect a natural state you think you're good at changing habits uh Good at it. Am I good at it? I try. I do try. Definitely, definitely try. I'm open to one of the things I think I've, you know, come to realize over the last number of years is I want to be adaptable. I want to think of myself as not so set in my ways. Of course, there are things, and I'm sure I know people will say, Yes, there are. Of course. And we all, yes, I, yes, the, you know, that those keys go there. Uh, And some of that is because, you know, there's just right though. That's just the right system. Exactly. Because now I know where my keys are. And some of that is I don't have to think about that because I know the keys uh, are there, but willing to sort of be open to the fact that my viewpoint can change. And that, you know, this is what I think, but this may not be what I think a year from now. And not being upset about that, that both that I'm not so set in my ways, but also not being upset that I now think differently. And not thinking, well, I was wrong five years ago because... I, you know, I don't, can I make that, you know, at that time I didn't sure. think I was. And of course, you know, obviously all so much of his 2020 hindsight. Um, 
but that right, but that doesn't make you wrong at that time. So I think being trying to be just more like open to the possibility of of changing, yeah, especially like that's good things like hardcore uh, um, beliefs. Mm-hmm. That seems really good. Sure. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so far, it's working out. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, we might wrap up here. That's all right. So we sure. Can go eat some dinner. Uh, dinner's good. Thanks. I for... still like dinner. My pleasure. Thank you, Douglas Sohn. Douglas Robertson. Douglas Robertson, yeah, dear. Yeah. Exactly. I we appreciate that. And now, uh, yes, I've had to. to uh, one of the curious things I still find about like uh, social media is how many people have the same name. Oh, as you, yeah, it's a cool thing, and then you find that out when you try. Oh, I'll just Doug Sone. Oh, no, that's taken and not by me. Uh, so I think recently, like one of the accounts, like but Douglas R. Sone, uh, all one word is. So if you need to reach me, it's Douglas R. Sone is is the just sort of the Twitter, so I can just you know. Uh, look at so there are a lot of people like a couple things that follow you know like two people mm-hmm. that can get rid of a lot of the the a lot of the uh chaff from the uh the hot dogs account but um uh yes but douglas robertson yeah. yeah all right thanks for being on what else thank you for having me Bye. that was doug Sohn. thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time on what else